Okay, let me pray. Uh, Lord, help uh, all of us to say only what you want us to say uh, tonight and help us to learn from this interesting story. Um, uh, help us to hear uh, and be led by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, we are uh, in kind of another section, right? Chapters 22 to 24 is kind of a unit. And it involves, uh, it doesn't involve the Israelites directly, per se. It, it's uh, about uh, this, this guy named Balaam. And uh, there's different words that can be used to describe him, like some call him a prophet, some call him a seer, some call him a diviner. And uh, there's different connotations of that. So, but I think it, it is kind of like a little bit kind of puzzling how, what his relationship with God is. So maybe that's something that we can kind of talk about. And then uh, it involves the, the, the prince uh, or the king of Moab and the princes of Moab. Uh, Moab and Midian are like sister countries. I think the people kind of intermingle and stuff. So um, they uh, are, are trying to, uh, they devise a strategy because they're afraid of the, 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 the Israelites. There's so many of them and um, they have, uh, the Israelites have conquered um, the country or the, the kings that had uh, kind of subjugated the, the Moabites. Uh, this was, remember Og and Sion, uh, the Amorite kings, they had kind of had a, a power over uh, the, the local uh, nations, including um, Moab and Midian. So the fact that the Israelites had so handily defeated the Amorites, I think it gave them a great consternation. And so they devised this strategy. Hey, let's uh, hire this guy, Balaam, who seems to have developed some sort of business and a reputation for being able to affect uh, people through his, you know, spiritual practice, um, uh, the, the, by word, uh, by blessing or by cursing, he must have had some effect on, on, on people or on battles or upon uh, situations. And so they want to harness that. They, they want to hire him like kind of like a mercenary, a spiritual mercenary, if you will. Uh, and so uh, chapters 22 to 24 is the exchange between emissaries of the king of Moab and Balaam and then Balaam and God, Balaam and his donkey. And then uh, Balaam uh, in chapters uh, 23 and 24, there's an, uh, all these attempted curses that will get into uh, next time. But today it's the uh, initial kind of, uh, of Moab trying to engage, um, um, you know, make a contract, if you will, with uh, Balaam and uh, kind of uh, the, the response of Balaam and, you know, God's, uh, God's kind of guidance of him and then, you know, kind of judgment of him and, and the like. So, um, that kind of sets the, the stage uh, for it. So this happens in the plains of Moab. They're going to be here for a while, right? This is kind of a stepping, the last kind of area before they will enter, uh, kind of you know, cross the Jordan River and then start the uh, taking or the conquest of Canaan proper. Um, so they're, in, they're located here. Um, the transitions uh, start to take place uh, um, you know, um, there's a, later on chapter 26, a, a new census is taken. Chapter 27, um, you have some uh, the, the the appointment of Joshua, uh, and then you have you know the entire book of Deuteronomy where Moses restates the law because it was a new generation 
Uh, and then when Moses dies uh, at the end of Deuteronomy, Joshua chapter one, you get the summons to uh, cross over. So that's, that's kind of the, the big picture of it. But uh, let's spend some time, hopefully interesting, fun, enlightening time thinking about uh, this chapter. So my first question uh, is about um, this kind of uh, a little, to me at least, a puzzling exchange, right? Uh, when, ba ba when Balak's uh, messengers come, um, at first God says, don't go, right? In the, you know, ba Balaam sleeps on it, and I guess he sees... Uh, he hears from God in in, in uh, while he in the night, and then the second time when a new set of emissaries come, uh, Balaam asks again, inquires again. And God says, "Go," but then on the way, right? So we think Balaam has got permission, but on the way, he um, says the guy got angry and uh, sent an angel to kill. Uh, Balaam, right? So my question, why do you think God permitted Balaam to go with Balak's messengers? Verse 20, but gets very angry with Balaam on the way, verses 21 and 22. So any, uh, you guys can express your thoughts verbally or pop it up on the chat. Well, I was thinking that, um, I mean, God had pretty, uh, I mean, it was very clear what God said to Balaam in verse 12. He pretty much told him, don't go. And it seemed like uh, Balaam still wanted to go. So it's almost like God acquiesced. I was like, if you really want to go, then you just go. I mean, since these men have come to summon you, just go with them then. But then Balaam actually does go. So, you know, um, I think, again, it's very clear that God doesn't want him to go. He, he sends like an angel and uh, even has a donkey speak to him. And yet, and, and yet he still goes. I mean, he, I mean, I, I see um, verse 34, not as Balaam uh, obeying God, but um, almost like if you, if you really don't want me to, I will go back. I mean, does he really even need to kind of ask that? I think it's been pretty clear, but yet because he asked that it's almost like a negotiation that Balaam's having in his mind, then God just tells him, okay, fine, just go then. Okay. That's an interesting, uh, so you, you set out kind of the steps, right? The first one is a clear no. The second one, you you uh, suggested that he's, God is saying whatever, right? And then, but if he says whatever, I, I, okay, I can understand that. But then the next step is he sends an angel and the donkey speaks and all that. So it seems like, okay, God is actually like, he's disappointed. Let's just to carry out this thought. He's disappointed that Balaam, whatever went, right? So God is saying, you screwed up, buddy, right? And then when, from Balaam's perspective, okay, if I screwed up, God, I'll go back. But God says, no, go, but just say, so I, I think you can, what you say is, is, is it's pretty, uh, is, 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 can be explanatory, but 
I don't know. It's it just, uh, it seems like God is, is vacillating a little bit too. You know, it's clear what he says, but the fact that in, in at least two of the four opportunities, uh, God used the word acquiesces, but it, I'm not sure if, if I would say that he acquiesces both times. Any quick response, Joe? Quick, a quick response. I want to hear others too. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like this is not necessarily, well, I, I see this as a, a pattern in my life or people's lives. You know, God, or God gives a clear no, God gives a clear answer, but we don't want that answer. So I, I, I know what you're saying that it seems that God acquiesces, but I just feel like God's like, you obviously don't want to listen to what I have to say. So just go ahead and do what you want to do. Other thoughts? I, I agree with Joe, I think, because, uh, you know, if you kind of read back kind of um, Balaam's um, kind of what he ends up doing later, right? He, even though he doesn't curse the people of God, he teaches them to lead. He teaches Balak to lead them astray. Like he, he tells them, you know, this is what you do to kind of stumble them, right? And so, you know, whether it's because, you know, he is seduced by the riches, right? Because, you know, they talk about the fees of divination that you know, they're going to give to him, you know, or the honor or whatnot. Um, but um, but he, I think, just as Joe said, there's an undercurrent kind of underlying current that he, you know, wants to go because he, the second time when they come to him, he's pretty emphatic. Even if you give me these houses of gold and silver, you know, I, I will not do this, but then stay here, right? But then stay here. Let me see if I can like, you know, see if God will say something else, right? Yeah. And then kind of when God comes back to kill him, I find that a little bit similar to when God tries to come kill Moses. You know, after the burning bush experience, God says, go, right? Clearly, God has commissioned Moses to go lead his people out of Egypt. And then here you have, you know, God was about to kill Moses. And then his Moses' wife has to cut off the foreskin of his son, right? So you can also say, well, in that case, why is God like trying to kill Moses, right? So, you know, I think perhaps it's a similar streak where, you know, yeah, 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 I think I think that, that that's a possible connection. Although the uh, uh, the, the the language, the, the pronoun in the Moses story, you, God is about to kill him. There's enough. Uh, I think I think uh, there's. Uh, I believe it's a majority of scholars think that the him refers to Moses' son. That God was not going to kill Moses, but he was going to kill Moses' son because Moses' son was not part of the covenant because of the circumcision issue. Right. But that, that, that's a, it's a hard kind of interpretation to make there. But, you know, along that line. But, OK, so Moses is if, if, if indeed that's that's a, it's analogous. OK, so Moses is spared because of what Zipporah does. But Balaam does nothing here. The only thing that saves Balaam is that the donkey talks to him. But if he still has an attitudinal issue or a perspectival kind of, you know, fault, I feel like if God drew the sword to really want to kill him, 
he should eat, at least tell him to go back, but he allows him to go. So maybe it's the acquiescence issue, as we've been we've been we've been saying. But let's um, just kind of mull, continue to mull over this. Now, David uh, points out accurately that um, uh, a couple of things that I want to uh, actually you know underscore, and that is uh, that Balaam is a confusing guy. Right. And I think he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, meaning that he says, I'm only going to I can only do what God allows me to do. Or I, I, I can't you know, I'm not doing this for the money, but he really is. Right. And, and so what he says and what he's really thinking, I feel like the answer to me lies lies there. But uh, you have to be careful on like what he really means. Like some of it is just kind of showmanship. Some of it is just maybe to kind of uh, keep God at bay. But, you know keep his hands open for the, for the, you know, for the payment, right? I think as, as David points out, so that, that's one thing. The second thing is that um, I, I think in the end that, uh, you know, the question of, I, I, want, I want us to think about is all, all throughout, is Balaam a good guy or a bad guy? I think he's a bad guy because as David said, this cursing and divination stuff doesn't work, right? it's going to lead to frustration and Balak, you know, throws up his hands at the end. <laughs> Balak is the most interesting person. He's kind of really hapless through this, but I love, I, you know, we'll look at his, uh, his, his reactions. He's like, I told you to come fast, but you took your old sweet time. You know, we see that kind of histrionics there at the end of this chapter and wait till you, you get to chapters 23 and 24. Anyway, um, all that stuff kind of comes to naught, but Balaam actually uh, tells them the secret the seduction method, right, that David pointed out. So I think that kind of can factor into our interpretation of or our read of who Balaam is. Okay, other input. Um, I kind of agree with what um, Josephine and David said. I think that God permitted um, Balaam to go to test his um, obedience to God. Like, I think he was trying to help Balaam to see that, well, God already told you not to go. And then he asked, and then, you know, God said, okay, you can go. And I think he was trying to get Balaam to see that, oh, well, God told me not to go before, and I keep asking you know, is this really something that God wants me to do? Maybe I should ask again, but instead of asking for like confirmation, he just accepts like, oh, God said I can go. Okay, I'm going to go. I feel like it's like when, you know, um, a little kid asks his parents for something and then they say, yes, maybe they just take it right away instead of thinking through on like, oh, well, maybe I should double check. Maybe I should get confirmation. But once he heard what he wanted to hear, he just kind of took off. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, um, I, I think I follow what you're saying, Matt, but I don't know. To me, that there's places where God tests. God tested Abraham, right? God gave him the craziest command ever, you know, sacrifice your own son that I miraculously gave you, right? So that was a true, will he obey, will he love Isaac more or will he love me more? But I'm not sure that God is actually, um, you know, taking that route with Balaam. I, I, I think there's more frustration I think there's more um, kind of like, I think God has a purpose, but it's not testing 
uh, Balaam here. And I'm not sure that Joe and David are saying that that's why God is sending Balaam or allowing Balaam to go. I, th- I understood what Joe was saying is like, God just kind of gave up on him. But then I would ask, well, why did God send an angel then? If he gave up on him, then let Balaam do whatever he wants to. But why show up? Why, why get him to see that you, you, I'm going to let you go, but make sure you only say what I'm going to say. You, you know what I'm saying? It just seems like if he gave up on him, it's, it's a little too much involvement, right? Why allow the donkey? This is going to like, people are going to talk about the donkey forever. This is going to be, you know, overpower the narrative. But if God really doesn't care, or he really doesn't give up. And so I don't, I don't really see that like God kind of, you know, whatever, uh, not caring, nor do I see it as God testing him, caring a lot. Uh, it seems like there's, there's some, I don't know, something else in between. Okay. So I need someone that doesn't agree with the, the, you know, Matt, Matt just kind of clustered this, 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 this uh, three group, three people. So is there anyone who's not kind of along that line? I think that maybe he is, uh, you know, like he is, Balaam Balaam did, did something that God told him that, that he shouldn't have done. Maybe that was not written here. <laughs> I guess I mean, I, you know, I stumble on this text, uh, you know, quite a bit too. But when I'm looking at this, um, I don't think that God would waver in His instruction. Um, and I just think, you know, based on the reading, right? Is uh, he's he is trying to be merciful to uh, Balaam in this situation because you know, it says, and you know, like these because these people, these people came. You can go with them, right? And so I feel maybe it's like, you know, he sees that uh, or, or he recognizes that they're just going to continue to bother Balaam. So, you know, OK, these guys are going to continue to bother Balaam. All right. Let's just you know be a little bit more merciful with Balaam. All right, let him let him go. Right. Go. Right, so go with these guys, but just do what I tell you to do. But somewhere along the line with him hearing that and going, he you know not like he did any specific action, but maybe his motives like we were talking about were not clear. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't going out of obedience. He was going out of maybe with those greed that we talked about. Maybe he had his, uh, you know, a, a plan that we can't, that's not written here in his mind of how he's going to, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, try to win both sides, so to speak. You know, but, you know, something along the lines where he's not doing what God is telling him to do. That's why he, or as he's going there, you know, God sends the, the angel and, and, and the donkey. So um, the unwritten kind of problem is something in his mind. Huh? That was clear. She wanted to share no, something. No, no, no. I just said maybe he already took the gold and silver, but it's not written here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Clarice thinks that maybe he already took the gold and silver that wasn't written here. Okay. But why would that upset God? That he was being dishonest? Uh, maybe in dishonesty or, or just that he had uh, ulterior motives. Yeah. So the ulterior motives could be dishonesty or it could be that he was thinking of doing something that God was displeased with. Right. Good. Uh, maybe one other kind of approach or angle uh, on this not, that's not been expressed. You did a peace sign, David. Is that, you have more to say? I have, I have more to say, but I want other people yeah. to say yeah. it. You know, I, yeah. I want to. Let's let's yeah. Uh, is there anyone else that wants to chime in? 
All right, Dave, get, since you already gave a, a big one. Can I volunteer? It. Yeah, Simon, go for it. All right, so the kids are behaving. So I always start with these passages asking uh, um, what God has said to the person. So God starts off and asks Balaam, who are these people to you? I feel like the question that Balaam should then ask himself are, who are these people compared to God to him? Now, a lot of times you could see Balaam just say, oh, well, he's the king. He's, he's so important, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it shows that Balaam wants to walk both sides. Balaam's idolatry is revealed by the donkey. Balaam wishes to kill his donkey because the donkey makes him look foolish. The donkey doesn't obey his master. Ironically, the angel is the messenger of God. Balaam is also a person that speaks to God, but Balaam is not obeying his master God. Ironically, while Balaam wishes to kill his donkey for disobedience, God also shows that he wants to kill Balaam for his disobedience in a well as well, because God sees through the heart. And we can see that, that God is addressing Balaam's idolatry here. God is trying to remind him of who is more important. And that's all I had to think about. Yeah, I think that, that, that's very helpful. Um, uh, I actually have a whole question reserved for the donkey part, but it's interesting. Um, okay, so that explains why, I think that shows uh, the way that I thought about it was, he, he gets mad at the donkey from, you made a fool out of me. But the, the person with real folly is, is Balaam because he doesn't, like you said, obey God, doesn't obey his master. So, but why did God let him go? But then it seems like he's mad that he went. That's the first question I'm trying to, you know, have us tussle with. No, 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 no. Okay. All right, Dave. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Dave. Oh, go ahead, Simon. You, you can follow up real fast. If you... Yeah, I, I feel like God, you know, did, already showed that he didn't want to go. But the question is, who are these people? Why are they important to you? And Balaam pretty much says, well, he's the king. I really want to go. I really want to impress these people. And when he falls off the donkey and he looks and he's not even able to control his donkey, it kind of makes him look unimportant. So God's saying that, yes, you can go, but just as the donkey makes you look, look makes you look foolish, you're making me as, you know, God look foolish because you're not listening to what I'm saying either. So, so God did allow him to go the, 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 the second night dream, right? Whatever. But are you are you are you siding with Tony? I mean, not siding, but are you joining Tony's camp that somehow between the you can go and when he's on the road, uh, God, whatever, decides that he has to teach Balaam a lesson through the donkey? Yes. Okay, good, good. Okay, David. So I think on some level, God actually wants him to go. And with this caveat that he actually, because when Balaam blesses the people of God, the people of God are not there to hear it, right? The only people that heard the blessing is actually Balak and, you know, his cronies. Okay, so right? God wants to send him because it actually can have an effect, a desired effect that God wants. Yes. But then why does God send the donkey, send the donkey, send the angel to kill him? Because... He wants to make sure that he actually says what he's going to say. Okay. Because there is a certain degree of freedom where he can actually say, you know what? I'm going to disobey and I'm going to curse them. Right. And but you he's do actually have to, then you have sparing to him. What? 
he's scaring him to say, you better listen. Right. But he said, I was going to kill you unless the donkey saved you, unless the donkey resisted. So I think we all have to, I think uh, I've already got Simon to, to, to stand with Tony. I think David has to move from Joe and Matt over to Tony as well, because I'm joining with Tony myself. That's how I look at it. I feel like it, it's, and I don't know about, you know, the, the principles of interpretation, but um, it seems to me that, you know, uh, God is, is serious when he says you can go, but make sure that you do what I want you say what I want you to say. But when the third event, which is the, the donkey and, and the angel, something's changed, right? Whether Balaam has this motivational issue, he's, you know, this, uh, Simon mentioned his kind of, um, he's, uh, uh, what is it? He didn't say two times. What, what did he say? Like he's best of both worlds. I, I forget. His idolatry is looking to be important. So yeah. it's in conflict with him following God. And be, by following his idolatry, he's making God look foolish. Right. He wants to play both sides or something like that, right? So somehow Balaam, and I think this is like what Balaam says, what he represents is different from what is really going on in his heart, right? And as David said, God sees this and goes, you can't go like that. If you're going to go like that, if you are going to say something wrong, even though I let you go, if you don't keep the whole bargain, if you don't uh, say what I want you to say, I'm just going to kill you now, right? But by the inter interchange in the example of the donkey, let's say that Balaam says, okay, I, I'm not, you know, he's somehow, you know, and so that's why, you know, to me, it, it's the key is, you know, verse 35. Uh, go with the man, but speak only what I tell you. God reiterates that. I think that's what David is saying, that uh, there is a purpose, and that purpose is to show Balak and the, 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 the Moabites, you can't curse the Israelites. They're curse, uncursable, right, because I'm with them. And so, therefore, um, you go and make them learn that lesson so that maybe they'll give up or whatever, whatever God's purpose is in that. But because Balaam was not willing to do that, we don't have the specific uh, words there, uh, I feel like that's why we have this kind of confusion, right? And that kind of stuff. So whether we're right or wrong, um, maybe that's not as important, <laughs> but how we kind of uh, understand at least that, uh, uh, you know, obedience to God. I think what Simon was saying that um, this kind of, of uh, wanting the best of both worlds, he wants the honor, he wants the money, he wants the reputation, Right? He wants to show that he's, you know, got a special channel uh, with God, but he doesn't want to do it God's way. And, and, you know, to me, that's a huge struggle. Like we want the stuff that we want from God, but we want the stuff that, you know, we can enjoy from the world. And when they conflict, that's when, you know, junk happens. That's when we start, you know, being confusing, right? There's a passage in Corinthians Right, Second Corinthians, which talks about that we uh, we uh, there's a certain aroma, right? Christians should get give off a certain uh, spiritual aroma, right? But um, and, and sometimes that aroma is not pleasant because it's the smell of death to those who refuse to believe. It's the you know aroma of Christ to those who will. But, you know, sometimes we, you know, we get the, what is that called, uh, Febreze, and, you know, we try to make ourselves smell good to everybody, and we try to please everybody, and in the end, we get, we're confusing, like, are, are you saying that this, or are you saying, you know, and I think Balaam 
is this kind of I, I don't I don't know I, you know we could we should, maybe should talk about uh, you know or at least think about you know where does he really stand with God he's certainly not an Israelite but he's not like a, a pure pagan either he's got kind of in between but it's that in betweenness that I think it maybe is driving God uh, crazy it's hard to say that it's angering God uh, in this instance okay let's move on to the second thing which Simon has already kind of um, broached and and the second question is really just a simple, you know, what was the main point of the talking donkey narrative, right? Simon has offered that it's to show that uh, Balaam wants to exercise lordship over his animal, right? But um, he does not want to be, doesn't want God to exercise lordship over him. And that connects to the confusion that we said, but other um, other people want to offer some thoughts on what does the donkey narrative really, talking donkey narrative really intend to show, teach? So I want to stick with the dishonesty um, uh, narrative here and say that, you know, the donkey basically helps him see that God, uh, there's things that God's doing and God knows and, you know, uh, that uh, Balaam himself cannot see, right? So to really open up his eyes, I guess is the is, is the idea here is to help him uh, understand, like, oh, you don't see the angel, you don't see what the donkey's doing, you don't see that I see all these things as well as your heart and your dishonesty as you're going there and what you you know the things that you're going to do, um, and that was the the donkey was and and all that was just to help him see his blindness. Thank you. Concise and clear. Other uh, uh, other views or other comments you guys might have. I think the funniest thing of, of all is that. Balaam talks to his, I mean, Balaam talks to his donkey, right? It's like they have a conversation. That's like hilarious to me. Like, you know, Balaam, you can get mad at, you can kick your animal or, you know, break something in the house. But if it, if it talks back to you and then you actually like say something back and you have a few exchanges, it's just kind of the, the hilarity of this. Uh, the preposterous is really interesting to me. Yes, Alice, you've made an appearance. This is like, I guess, piggybacking off of what Simon is saying, but you can tell he's so far gone because his donkey is like somehow miraculously talking to him. And then it's like the donkey needs to like put sense into him of like, I just thought that was the funniest. Like you can't make that up because he was like, have I ever done this to you before? Like why? Like, I feel like he just asked and then like all um, he can think about is like, Oh, I, I want to like kill you. And then he's like, I'm a talking donkey. Like, has this ever happened to you? You know, I just, I feel like he was so, it, it really, and I think it was interesting, the next verse, it's like, the Lord opened his eyes, because there obviously was not going to be a way for him to realize that on his own, because he just continued to kind of have that like delusional conversation with his own donkey. So um, I don't know what that was saying. But I just think, I kind of, yeah, like he was just so far gone that um, 
there there was probably nothing except for just God intervening in that way to like knock sense into him kind of, but that was kind of sad. Yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I would see it as sad, but all the other stuff was very, uh, very helpful. Now Simon mentioned something that, you know, I think there might be something almost allegorical to this, you know, you, because Bomb said, actually, if there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now, right? And what do we see in the angel? Right? The angel had a sword in his hand, right? And the other thing is um, the, the donkey actually got what hit three times, right? And this is God's third time telling him, you better listen, right? Well, he doesn't say it the first time, but it, you know, it is the third exchange, right? After the first two nights and, and the third time, right? Good. And, yeah, and, and you know, we'll, we'll get to it, but there are three oracles that are, I mean, there's more than three oracles. We'll look at that, but there are three attempts to try to get curse, uh, you know, the number three is a favorite, right? <laughs> right the attempts but but you're right this um three different it took him like you know basically um he needed the full explanation right balaam because yeah, he, as alice said he was so far gone okay uh, anyone else yes so um i i, I uh I, I think, you know, we're all kind of centering around, at least in, in this story, it seems like um, uh, it's a little um, kind of have some, we've, we've uh, high, you know, defined it or, or kind of come together, uh, uh, coalesced on, on this. I, I, I think the, whatever Dave called it, allegory, um, you know, the parallel, the analogy, uh, Simon pointed out as well, but I, and as Tony put it, though, I, I think it really is about vision and sight, right? because Balaam was blind towards the donk, uh, towards the angel, right? And so God had to open his eyes. Um, but it's I think the power of the uh, of the of the message to Balaam was that this um, ability to see. Right, that's what his job was. His expertise was that he could discern or uh, identify, ascertain, you know, how to channel these powers, whether it's a curse or a blessing, or what God wants. Right. So this whole like I have to ask God. Uh, that's why you know sometimes the word seer, S E E R, is used interchangeably. The word prophet is better, but. The seer is someone who can see what should happen or what God wants. And so the uh, kind of the, the stark inability, hit, as I think Tony used the word blindness. I don't know if others use it, but blindness is really what Balaam uh, is experiencing. And he's supposed to be the least blind of, us all, of them all. Yet he was totally blind, hoodwinked or, you know, kind of... Uh, um, by by what by his greed, um, Simon talked about by his you know lust for honor or recognition, 
Right. Um, and, and so I think it it reinforces, uh, as I think others have, uh, some of you have said, that um, you know Balaam better pay attention big time to what God um, is going to say to him. Right. So there is this. Uh, strong theme here that um, Balaam's kind of like a wild card, right? He's kind of like a, uh, he's unpredictable maybe. That's why, you know, God wants to use him, but not that God's worried, but, you know, God wants to really constrain him and restrain him to say the right thing. And, you know, in chapters 23 and 24, he does, right? He does. So it does work out according to God's plan, but, you know, sin enters through the back door. So um, I think that's an interesting question uh, or kind of to ask ourselves, right? Um, up the sharing question. Um, the way that I was thinking about it is, you know, applied to ourselves, um, has there been a time when we were blind like Balaam and God used something unconventional to steer us in the right direction? Uh, share why you were unaware and what lesson you think the Lord was uh, trying to instill in you. So as um, followers of God, as believers or as disciples, as leaders, um, you know, we are not immune to this, that we could be so, uh, Alice called it far gone. Uh, you, you could say so obsessed. You could say so blind, as Tony did, or as Simon put, um, so kind of wanting to please the powers that be, that something very obvious or something very clear is you know, foggy to us. And so God has to use I don't know if any have you have heard an animal talk or an object, but you know, maybe somebody that you know you haven't talked to in a long time, somebody that you don't respect, some uh, a child, right? Um, your boss. <laughs> These kind of sources of truth can come from unexpected places, right? And stuff. So, why don't we? Um, I mean, there's more to say, but I think we've said a lot, and I actually want to kind of ride this momentum here. Why don't we, uh, Matt, if you could put us into uh, breakout rooms, maybe groups of four. Uh, yeah, groups of four randomly. And why don't we tackle this sharing question uh, as the topic? So if you need to look at it, maybe you you can copy it and paste it into you know, the Word or in your chat box or, or in your email or something so you, you know what, what to share. But why don't we go into breakout rooms and have about 10 minutes. And so you can't go too long. Let's make it 15, right? 15 minutes of sharing, right? And try to, everyone try to keep what you say to two to three minutes so that you know, nobody is hogging the time, right? <laughs> In a good way, don't hog the time. And then um, we'll come back and we'll close in prayer in the main room. And then Pete has some great announcements <laughs> for us. Okay. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for a chance to consider this interesting and somewhat strange passage um, as um, we've 
I think, uh, tried to figure out uh, about this Balaam guy. Um, uh, unfortunately, we, we, I think we see ourselves in him. Uh, uh, our modern day Christian life uh, uh, gives um, off this kind of sometimes confusion, sometimes this uh, dual pursuit. Um, sometimes it shows that we say one thing, but are really thinking another. Sometimes you have to discipline us. You have to shake us out of our spiritual uh, uh, delusion. Um, and uh, people like Balak, um, the world, um, just don't know, does not, don't know what to make of us. Uh, Lord, if that's true, I pray that you'll help us to uh, exercise um, our uh, privilege, our responsibility, our burden, our calling to uh, represent you faithfully, accurately, uh, truthfully. Um, and help us to be uh, sensitive to uh, various messengers um, that come from you, that come from the word of God. Um, help it to uh, really help us um, uh, grow closer, help us to, uh, to uh, purify our hearts. Um, thank you for all who've joined and, and listened and, and shared. Um, continue to guide us in our fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.